Chapter Twenty Two of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Chapter Twenty Two. Will prove by a remarkable instance of a high raised hope suddenly disappointed the extreme weakness of building our expectations upon mere conjecture though it is not to be imagined that the preparations for marriages such as those of sir basil lovett and mr trueworth could be an entire secret to the town especially as neither of the parties had any motive to induce them to desire it should be so yet miss betsy never heard the least syllable of any such thing being in agitation those of her acquaintance whom she at present chiefly conversed with were either ignorant of it themselves or had never happened to mention it in her presence so that knowing nothing of mr trueworth's affairs of late more than what the lawyer had casually related at her brother's it is not to be wondered at that she imagined him wholly disengaged since the death of that lady who had so kindly remembered him in her will neither ought it her vanity considered to appear strange that she was apt to flatter herself with a belief of the return of his affection to herself when the memory of the late object of it should be utterly erased when there is the least probability suddenly wish may come to pass the minutest circumstance in favour of our hopes serves to assure us that it certainly will do so miss betsy was going to make a visit at whitehall but in crossing the park happened to meet the two miss airishes who asked her to take a turn with them to which she replied that she would gladly accompany them but had sent word to a lady that she was coming to pass the whole evening with her nay said the elder miss airish we have an engagement too at our own apartment and can stay only to walk once up the mall and down again miss betsy replied that would be no great loss of time and so went with them they had not proceeded many yards in their promenade before miss betsy saw mr trueworth with sir basil coming directly towards them the gentleman bowed to her as they approached more near a sudden thought that moment starting into miss betsy's head she dropped her fan as if by accident as they were passing each other just at mr trueworth's feet he stooped hastily to take it up and presented it to her i am sorry sir said she to give you this trouble whatever services madam are in my power to render you replied he will be always a pleasure to myself no more was said the gentlemen and the ladies pursued their different routes this little adventure however had a prodigious effect on miss betsy she thought she saw something so gay and sparkling in the eyes of mr trueworth as denoted his mourning habit belied his heart and that he was not much affected with the death of her for whom decency and gratitude had obliged him to put it on after the gentlemen were out of hearing the two miss airishes began to give their judgments upon them the one cried they were both very pretty fellows but the other accused them of want of politeness as they saw we had no man with us said she they might methinks have offered their service to gallant us especially as one of them seems to be acquainted with miss betsy but that young lady little regarded what was said on this occasion being too much taken up with her own cogitations she repeated internally the words of mr trueworth and as she was persuaded he was now at liberty to offer her all manner of services she interpreted 
that by whatever services were in his power he meant to renew his services to her as a lover this imagination elated her to a very high degree but hindered her from holding any conversation with the two ladies she was with as it was improper for her to say anything on the subject which so much engrossed her thoughts they all walked together up to buckingham house then turned back and the two miss airishes took leave of her at st james's they went into the palace and she was proceeding towards spring garden when she at a distance perceived sir basil lovett mr trueworth miss mabel and two ladies whose faces she was entirely unacquainted with the reader will not be at a loss to guess that these two were no other than mrs wellair and miss harriet they had been that afternoon to take leave of some friends on their going out of town and had appointed to meet the gentlemen in the mall in their way thither they had called upon miss mabel and brought her with them this little troop being all in the same sable livery seemed so much of a family as threw miss betsy into some sort of surprise she knew not that miss mabel had the least acquaintance with sir basil nor even any more with mr trueworth than having seen him a few times in her company as they drew nearer she made a motion to miss mabel as if she was desirous of speaking to her upon which that lady advanced towards her with these words i am sorry madam said she as you are alone that it is improper for me to ask you to join us i am very glad madam you do not replied miss betsy very much piqued because i should be obliged to refuse you she no sooner uttered these words than she passed hastily on and miss mabel returned to her company who waited for her at some paces distance it must be acknowledged that miss betsy had cause to be alarmed at a speech of this nature from a lady of miss mabel's politeness and good humour she thought there must be some very powerful reasons which had obliged her to make it and what those reasons could be seemed at present an impenetrable secret she was too much disconcerted to be able to pass the whole evening as she had promised the lady she went to she would do she therefore pretended a sudden indisposition took her leave and went home in order to be at full liberty to ruminate on what had passed in the park she had not been many minutes in her own apartment before she was interrupted in her meditations by the coming of her two brothers several bustos pictures pieces of old china and other curiosities belonging to a nobleman lately deceased being to be exposed to sale the elder mr thoughtless had an inclination to become a purchaser of such of them as he should find agreeable to his fancy but was willing to have his sister's judgment in the matter and it was to engage her to go with him the next morning about twelve o'clock when the goods were to be exhibited to public view that had occasioned him and mr francis to make her this visit it is not to be doubted but that she was willing to oblige him in this point she assured him she would be ready against he came to call on her when she was alone she began to run over in her mind all the particulars of what had passed that evening in the park and found something very extraordinary on the whole it had seemed extremely odd to her that mr trueworth and sir basil did not join her and the two miss airishes but then she thought she could easily account for their not doing so 
and that mr trueworth did not choose to enter into any conversation with her because sir basil had happened to see her at miss forward's and might possibly have entertained no favourable idea of her on that score she therefore with a great deal of readiness excused mr trueworth for his omission especially as she was possessed of the fancy that the compliment with which he returned her fan and the look he assumed during that action seemed to tell her he wished for an opportunity of adding something more tender but when she came to consider on the second meeting she was indeed very much at a loss to fathom the meaning of what she had seen she knew a thousand accidents might have occasioned an acquaintance between miss mabel and sir basil and also that the little she had with mr trueworth might have been casually improved but could find not the least shadow of reason why that lady should tell her it was improper for to ask her to join company with them though she had of late seen that lady less frequently than usual yet whenever they did meet it was with the greatest civility and appearance of friendship she had in reality a sincere regard for her and imagined the other looked upon her with the same and therefore could not but believe the shyness she put on in the park when speaking to her must have some very powerful motive to occasion it suspense was of all things what miss betsy could least bear she resolved to be convinced though at the expense of that pride she would not have forfeited on any other account in spite of the ill manners she has treated me with said she i will go once more to her satisfy my curiosity as to the manner of her behaviour and then never see her more to be more sure of finding her at home she thought it best to make the visit she intended in the morning accordingly she sent to her brother that being obliged to go to a lady who had desired to see her she could not wait for his coming to call on her but would not fail to meet him at the place of sale about the hour he had mentioned this promise she thought it would be easy for her to perform as she designed to stay no longer with miss mabel than would be sufficient to get some light into a thing which at present gave her so much perplexity she went about eleven o'clock but was strangely surprised on her coming to the house to find all the windows shut up and after the chairman had knocked several times the door opened by nanny the little prating wench who had lived at mr goodman's nanny cried miss betsy bless me do you live here yes madam answered she i have lived here ever since my master goodman died i am glad of it returned miss betsy but pray is your lady at home oh dear madam said the girl my lady why madam don't you know what's done to-day not i replied she prithee what dost mean what's done lord madam said nanny i wonder you should not know it my lady is married to-day married cried miss betsy hastily to whom to one sir basil lovett madam replied the other and mr trueworth is married too to one miss betsy Han no and mr trueworth is married too to one miss harriet sir basil's sister my old master gave both the brides away i believe the ceremony is over by this time but as soon as it is they all bowl away for sir basil's seat in staffordshire they say there will be open house kept there and the lord knows what doings all the servants are gone none but poor me left to look after the house 
mr trueworth married cried miss betsy in the greatest confusion i thought his mistress had been dead no no madam said nanny you mean mrs blanchfield i know all that story i was told it by one that comes often here mr trueworth i assure you never courted her she was only in love with him and on hearing his engagement with miss harriet took it to heart poor soul and died in a few days and has left him half her fortune and a world of fine things to miss harriet she was going on with this tittle-tattle but miss betsy was scarce in a condition to distinguish what she said she leaned her head back against the chair and was almost fainting away the maid perceiving the change in her countenance cried out lord madam you are not well shall i get you anything but now i think on it there is a bottle of drops my lady left behind her in the dressing-room i'll run and fetch them she was going to do as she said but miss betsy recovering of herself called to her to stay saying she had no occasion for anything lord madam said she i did not think the marriage of mr trueworth would have been such a trouble to you or i would not have told you anything of it i am sure you might have had him if you would i remember well enough how he fought for you and mr staple and how he followed you up and down wherever you went for that matter miss harriet has but your leavings i give myself no trouble who has him replied miss betsy disdainfully it is not him i am thinking of i was only a little surprised that miss mabel should make such a secret of her affairs to me you know madam said nanny that my lady is a very close woman but i wonder indeed she should tell you nothing of it for i have heard her speak the kindest things of you well it is no matter replied miss betsy farewell nanny then bid the chairmen go on the confusion she was in hindered her from directing the chairman where to go so they were carrying her home again till she saw herself at the end of the street where she lived but then recollecting all at once where she had appointed to meet her brothers she ordered them to go to golden square it seemed as if fate interested itself in a peculiar manner for the mortification of this young lady everything contributed to give her the most poignant shock her soul could possibly sustain it was not enough that she had heard the cruel tidings of what she looked upon as the greatest of misfortunes her eyes must also be witness of the stabbing confirmation the place of sale was within two houses of sir basil's but as she had never heard where that gentleman lived could have no apprehensions of the spectacle she was to be presented with on her chair turning into the square she saw that side of it to which she had directed the men to carry her crowded with coaches horses and a great concourse of people some waiting for the bridal bounty but more as idle spectators at first she imagined it was on the account of the sale but the same instant almost showed her her mistake several footmen with wedding favours in their hats two of whom she knew by their faces as well as by their liveries belonged to mr trueworth were just mounting their horses the crowd was so thick about the door that it was with some difficulty the chair passed on and she had an opportunity of seeing much more than she desired there were three coaches and six in the first went sir basil and the new maid lady lovett the father of miss mabel and a young lady whom miss betsy had sometimes seen in her company in the second was seated mr trueworth his bride mrs wellair 
and a grave old gentleman. The third was filled by four maid-servants, and the two valets de chambres of the two bridegrooms, with a great deal of luggage before and behind. The ladies and gentlemen were all in extreme rich riding habits, and the footmen, eleven in number, being all in new liveries and spruce fellows, the whole cavalcade altogether made a very genteel appearance. Miss Betsy, in spite of the commotions in her breast, could not forbear standing a little in the hall, after she had got out of her chair, till the whole had passed. Well, said she to herself, with a deep sigh, all is over, and I must think no more of Trueworth. But wherefore am I thus alarmed? He has long since been lost to me, nor did I love him. She assumed all the courage her pride could supply her with, and had tolerably composed herself before she went up into the sale-room, yet not so much but a paleness, mixed with a certain confusion, appeared in her countenance. Mr. Munden, who happened to be there, as well as her brothers, took notice of it, and asked if she was not well, to which she replied, with an uncommon presence of mind, that she was in perfect health, but had been frightened as she came along by a great black ox, who by the carelessness of the drivers, had liked to have run his horns quite into the chair. Mr. Munden, who never wanted politeness, and knew how to put on the most tender air whenever he pleased, expressed an infinity of concern for the accident she mentioned, and this behaviour in him she either relished very well or seemed to do so. What credit her brothers gave to the story of the ox is uncertain. They, as well as all the company in the room, had been drawn to the windows by the noise of the cavalcade, which had set out from Sir Basil's. Every one was talking of it when Miss Betsy entered, and tis very probable the two Mr. Thoughtlesses might imagine it had an effect upon her, in spite of the indifference she had always pretended. They were, however, too prudent to take any notice, especially as Mr. Munden was present. Whatever were the troubles of this young lady, her spirit enabled her to conceal them, and she gave her opinion of the goods to be disposed on, with as much exactitude as if her mind had been taken up with no other thing. Mr. Thoughtless made a purchase of the twelve Caesars in bronze, and two fruit pieces of Varelts, and Mr. Munden, on Miss Betsy's expressing her liking, of two very large curious jars, bought them and presented them to her. Nothing material passed here, but the sale being over for that day, every one returned to their respective habitations, or wherever business or inclination called them. End of chapter 22 End of the third volume End of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume 3 by Eliza Haywood